January 18, 2022. This is The Better Life. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. Living a better life means betting on the Super Bowl, and that actually has a couple of different meanings. For those of you that are longtime listeners, maybe some of you are, are original listeners from day one, you will know that uh, the Better Life podcast was conceptualized out of a Super Bowl, the Eagles Patriot Super Bowl. I was at a Super Bowl party. I had a bunch of prop bets. Everybody thought it was a lot of fun. And I was like, huh, like this life is a bit different. Uh, everybody, everybody in this room is watching the Super Bowl through the sort of typical assumed lens. I am waiting for Tom Brady's wife to appear on the broadcast more than twice. <laughs> so uh, that's that's how the better life came to be years ago. Here we are, Bengals, Rams, Rams get it done. The Bengals cover, the under gets there. The under is the bet that I had uh, the most action on, which made it a good day. Prop bets didn't quite get there for me. Prop bets looked good for a while, and then in the last quarter sort of crumbled a little bit. Like I had some Co- uh, Cooper Cup alt-unders that actually looked like a few of them were going were gonna to get there. But he, of course, has, has a great drive to, to bust those. And uh, other props uh, didn't really get there. But it still uh, ended up being a positive experience betting-wise because I did have the Bengals plus four. And I hit the under 50 pretty quickly when it opened. And then took it again at 49 shortly before the game. So uh, those both got there. And then I made an in-game bet under 24 for the second half. That also got there. So the lackluster events of points uh, helped me out a lot there, uh, betting the Super Bowl. Hope everybody did well. With the Super Bowl, as I was telling people that I was in the room with, it was another Super Bowl party where I'm the one with betting action. Everybody else is just sort of watching, watching the game. The way I explain it, they're like, "Oh man, you bet you you really bet all these different things on that." Like I had uh, opening kickoff to not be a touchback, it becomes a touchback, and I gro- oh, I groan, and they're like, "Wait, the game hasn't even started. How do you have how have you already lost a bet?" You know, you do you do your due diligence going into the game, right? You go through that exercise of handicapping, figuring out figuring out which bets you like, etc. And once that's done, once all the bets are in the account. Yeah, you want them all to do well, but at that point, for the Super Bowl especially, for me, it just becomes entertainment at that point, right? It's just an added level of entertainment. I didn't make any bets purely for entertainment, right? Like I said, all the bets I made were, were you know, I bet them assuming or believing that I was getting the best of it or I was on the right side. But at, at, as soon as kickoff happens, now, you know, the extra layer of, of entertainment is really what I'm there for, so... Uh, another Super Bowl passed. Moving on to the, I don't know if we'll see baseball. Uh, I of course I know nobody's into soccer, but soccer, uh, a handful of summer leagues are coming around the corner that I enjoy betting. The European leagues are are reaching into their final months, so uh, that sport has plenty going for it. Of course, golf and tennis, uh, for those who enjoy it, uh, starting to pick up as well. This week we're going to do a better viewing episode. If you've been keeping track at home, you're You've uh, been picking up on that uh, my plans in life, both in personally and in the better life, have sort of been stalled and disjointed a little bit because of a job transition that I've been in. And so the original plan was for better viewing to to be put into its own feed and exclusively in that feed at this point. We are we're sort of delaying that process by one episode. So, this week is going to be a better viewing episode. Next time Mark and I do this, it will be in its own feed. That feed is actually live in Apple Podcasts. You can find it, Better Viewing with Tim Lawson and Mark Duvall. Waiting for it to syndicate to the sort of third-party podcast spots, and then I need to finish submitting it to places like Spotify and Stitcher. So almost all the way there. This will, in fact, be the last time that Better Viewing hits the main feed in um, for The Better Life. So if you enjoy these episodes, you want to keep listening to them, Better Viewing, if you're an Apple podcast, uh, is there. If you listen elsewhere, hold tight. It'll be there soon. But that's where Better Viewing will take place. And we'll sort of, we'll probably be around once a month again. We, 
you know, we'll have the sort of the flexibility to, to Mark and I are still trying to figure out what that looks like, but that's more or less, uh, I think what we're going to see is roughly once a month still. And, uh, yeah. So we cover episodes five and six from HBO's show luck that came out almost a decade ago on horse racing. Enjoy. Okay. As we're waiting for people to get in here, let's talk about Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, I okay. am looking forward to uh, Biloxi. It is a little over, well, it was about six weeks away, I think, um, is, the, is our trip down to Biloxi. Uh, sounds like you're still undetermined based off of um, uh, uh, no, Dr. I'm Mike's. Going. No, oh, okay. no, I'm going. I'm going. In fact, okay. I was talking to the wife today and she was saying, hey, when are you going to Biloxi? She was trying to make plans. So, yeah, so I'm going. And uh, yeah, if, Mike, if Dr. Mike joins me, well, whether he joins me or not, uh, we'll probably rent a car, stop by Harris, New Orleans on the way just to, you know, check it out. I've never been there. He hasn't been in years. And then we'll continue on. And of course, we're staying at Harris in Biloxi because, okay. you know, yeah, because you're you're still built into that that Caesars ecosystem, the whole Caesars. And we're not Caesars, you know, shills or proponents. That's just where we get all our comps. So, yeah. Yep. Since it's right there in your backyard, I can't imagine that really ever changes for you. Huh? No, it's the only casino close to us that has a comps that we can use elsewhere. All the yeah. rest of the casinos close to us are one-offs. They're, they're you know, so. And I imagine the, it's not Sam Manuel anymore. What's it called? Yamava. Oh, uh, Yamava. Yeah. Yamava. I can't uh-huh. imagine their relationship with the Palms does anything for you. No, first of all, it's not that close to us. And right, right now they don't have craps. So, oh, you know, wow. Mike's brother goes there all the time because he lives relatively close to there. But yeah, there's no incentive for us to go. It's too far. Yeah. Yeah. Bogan, he's booked his room at the Nugget. I'm going to be at Beauvage. You'll be at Harris. What's really funny about this is, I mean, Biloxi just kind of happens this way, because sort of on the what you're just talking like. I'm built into the MGM ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? So it's yeah. easy for me to get a spot at Bo. You're a Harris. People, depending on where they're where they're playing. I was recently talking to Eric, and he was mentioning that he's noticed that Golden Nugget doesn't. Like playing at one golden nugget doesn't impact offers at another golden nugget on on okay. his experience, or at least from what okay. he's observed. Other people, I'm, Bo, uh, I don't know if Bogan has any more insight to that, but uh, I thought that was interesting. We're so used to being able to play at a local casino and have it benefit travel elsewhere. Sounds right. like golden nugget might not be that easy uh, for people that uh, that for some reason want to go to those properties. Um, okay, and now my yep. understand, and sorry to cut you off, and. Sure. and- Please continue with your thought, but I, I was just thinking, Beau Rivage, and so Biloxi's kind of broken up into like little segments, right? And like three, okay. And Beau Rivage is in one. I assume Harris yeah. is in a different one. So if you're so when you're coming in, I think if I remember, like like the like sort of the, the main drive coming into Biloxi is boom, right there uh, is is Beau Rivage and Hard Rock are right next to each other. They're neighbors. Okay. Just okay. down the road from them, you have the Harrah's Palace Gold Nugget sort of grouping. And then sort of on the other side of Biloxi, maybe a 10, 12 minute drive away, you have Scarlet Pearl, Boomtown, IP sort of uh, not. And they're not necessarily close together like those other two cl- uh, uh, clusters okay. are, but they're yeah. sort of in their own little region of Biloxi. OK, uh, yeah. So it's and it, and it sounds and I think Rob did Mississippi Rob did a great job of organizing each night as a meetup at a casino yeah. in a different sort of area of Biloxi. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, welcome everybody. Thank you for being here. Some administrative notes, Mark, before we, we, we move on. If people saw on Twitter, the better viewing RSS feed has been finally accept, uh, approved and is published in Apple podcasts. So you can actually find the better viewing podcast feed in Apple podcasts. I'm still waiting for it to, syndicate at sort of the the smaller like the pocket casts and google podcasts of the world and then i still need to i'm still waiting for the spotify and i think Stitcher uh wants to uh to approve right there's specific ones there you have to kind of manually do other ones they draw from apple Podcasts, so yeah it should be automatic good yep so uh, both with the hectic life that I've had, not being able to properly, I'm sort of catching up, and with sort of the delay, I don't want, I don't want just people that will podcast to be able to like, find this. So this episode will be in the better view, the uh, better life main feed, and in the better viewing feed. 
then the next show we do by then it should be everywhere it needs to be and uh better viewing will exclusively be its own show good okay good very good we are here to talk about luck episodes five and six i was um like i found myself being just sort of sort of drawn into these episodes i don't know it was more so than just being entertained i was just sort of like like sort of into the story i guess uh if that's if if, if that makes sense that makes sense i mean we've we've watched enough episodes now that we we we're past the stage where we're trying to figure these characters out. We have a pretty right. good understanding of what they're all about. So now we can kind of concentrate more on the storytelling. Yep. So yeah, I know what you mean. I agree. Okay. Um, luck episode five. Again, this is on HBO for those of you that uh, maybe haven't seen it yet and, and want to catch up. Uh, it's so far uh, halfway through the season now. So I guess we're getting just on the other side of the ha- half of the season. It's a good show. And I recommend that if you, if you're compelled, if you're, interested in what we're talking about here so i would recommend watching it. it's it's turning into an entertaining series yeah great chester is the character's name uh chester's horse is listed to run but escalante said that the horse isn't act- so chester's right hand man sees that the horse is listed to run their their horse that they own escalante says uh yeah hey that the horse is listed to run as a favor to the track because they need a certain amount of horses to, to have the race go there's a 90% chance that the horse ends up getting scratched and there's confusion on like the, like the legitimacy of that. And I have to admit, I, I, where I was a little confused and I don't know if you, if you were able to pick when Escalante is trying, like it made sense to me, the uh, like, Hey, I'm just doing the track a favor, listing the horse so they can get the, the, the race to go. The horse will then like a good chance. The horse just gets scratched, but I, I couldn't, I wasn't sure like, why the horse couldn't be scratched like he said it's a 90 percent chance horse gets scratched i didn't quite understand like what that 10 percent chance was like what would happen does that make sense well, well i think escalante was lying i think he entered right. the horse and was entering it with this uh young jockey uh leon the with the idea that the uh odds would be relatively long he could bet on him and win a lot of money Okay. Uh, and so I, yeah, I think he was lying when he was saying, "Oh, I'm doing it as a favor, and he's going to be scratched." So, once you once you are convinced that he's lying, then the ninety and ten really yeah. don't make any sense anymore. Gotcha. And then uh, Chester Ace, his nickname, and his chauffeur, uh, they come to show up, and Ace says, "No, you're." He suspects that Escalante is lying. He says, "No, you're going to uh, put the best jockey you can on this horse." And that's all there is to it. And there's some back and forth and some bluffing going on and who's going to call whose bluff. And uh, Escalante does end up uh, giving Ace a list of the best jockeys in his opinion. And so they get supposedly the best jockey on the horse. So, yeah, right. it's I, I think it was all lying on Escalante's part. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chester even calls him out when they meet in the stables. I'm trying to figure out if you're a gambler or a trainer. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, which I thought was uh, I, I mean, I was like, why can't he be both? Um. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> Escalante said that, too, basically. Yeah. He yeah. was, you know, kind of up front. Yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, look, if you know your horse is good, why not? Why not make some money? Exactly. Off of them? Yep. Uh, we learned that the security guard uh, that we met in the at the beginning of the series, um, who was kind of a loan shark to Jerry, we learned that he actually gets fired from the track because the track learns that he has been loan sharking around the track. Um, he he tells a story about how he ran out to Laughlin and had a wild time that led to him, sh- his words, shitting in the street. Yeah. Um, and uh, I only chuckle. I mean, it was a sad story. I don't want to laugh at someone's hardships, but like anytime someone goes to any sort of gambling town and it ends in that sort of way, you can't start to not well, chuckle. Well, and then they were doing it for laughs because right. so so Jerry actually takes Kegel to get a meal. And mm-hmm. Kegel, it, when he's telling the story, he said, I ended up in Laughlin, Nevada. And Jerry says, Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, they're doing it for laughs. Like, oh, yeah. my God. Laughlin. <laughs> poor bastard. Have you been to Laughlin? Yeah. It's been a while, but I've been a couple times. Uh-huh. I've, I've talked to a couple people recently that said that Laughlin is worth a day or two when when you've gone to vegas enough times where you've like like if like you 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 know the allure of vegas is there but you're okay with breaking away saying if you have if you have a long enough trip go to go to laughlin for a day or two would you would you agree with that hey if you're a gambler laughlin is great 
you know, people go to Las Vegas for a lot of different reasons. Well, those reasons aren't all in Laughlin. You know, it's not it's certainly an older crowd, you know, not yeah. nightclubs. Yeah, the restaurants aren't as good. There's just not as many attractions, but there's still the gambling there. And yeah. it's probably a, a better uh, uh, option for gamblers. You're probably going to get more for your money uh, gambling there too. Lower limits, maybe some, you know, better rules. So I would recommend it to gamblers, specifically to gamblers. Yeah. Okay. Now, the thing is, though, like if if I'm going, I, I'm probably going to go to Vegas anyway because it takes me just as long to get to Vegas as it does to Laughlin. And Vegas still has more options. So, yeah, I guess it's worth it. If you've never been, if you want to say you've been, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He ends up, at, he, so he asked Jerry for a loan. And Jerry ends up giving him a thousand dollars, and so he actually, so he asked for Jerry for a loan on the retail vig, which I imagine, um, I, I didn't know if that it, it implied like a standard vig of like like, or if that was like, I'll even pay you sort of the higher priced vig that one would put out on the streets. What was yeah. your interpretation? That's of not that? what I got too. Is okay. you know, hey, what are the loan sharks? offering you know right now what's their right. big yeah Got it. and it's interesting because he specifically said anything up to 10 would be great and he's obviously saying if you could loan me anything up to ten thousand dollars that would be be great he actually gave him a figure and yep. yeah jerry gave him a thousand bucks yeah so. uh but jerry gives it to him with no vig no vig. And, I, yeah. and i thought it was a kind of a class move and he's he's uh maybe uh, showing a little little grace to a guy who once loaned him money uh, time and time yeah. again. So, and I don't. I think Jerry's smart enough that you know he realizes he may never see that thousand dollars again. So, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Marcus insults Jerry for having a diary. I wrote this down. Oh, do do you journal, Mark? Are you a are you a journaler? No, no, no. not really. I, you know, I've got I've written down my trips to Vegas, but no, beyond that, no. <laughs> I have been, you know, journaling is sort of, you know, in like the mental health sphere, the productivity mm -hmm, yeah. sphere. A lot of people mm -hmm. recommend journaling for a, a number of benefits. I've tried it. I enjoy it. I just cannot. I am not consistent with it. I can't. That's uh, the thing, right? Yeah. yeah. I would talk myself out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I I just recently actually pulled up my journal to write something in it, and I looked in my last entry and it was like from like five months ago. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, this this habit's going well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Marcus makes it clear that he like Reddit's, which I thought was um goodness, what a what a uh, what an invasion of privacy. I think yeah. I think we all learn from being kids that like diaries and journals and personal notes are ones that uh you know there's an expected level of privacy there, I think. Yes. Yep. Um yeah. So he intruded there and, and calls him out on losing a ton to his nemesis at the poker table. Marcus <laughs> Marcus commenting on jerry is saying urinating money at the poker parlor yeah good line yeah which was <laughs> which was a, a funny line kevin dunn is uh, so great in this show he's to me he's kind of the standout uh you know he's a funny character you know you feel sorry for him also he plays it so perfectly he seems to have all the best lines uh you know snarky but uh, you know again you feel sorry for him yeah i think he's great in this show yeah we do find out, too, for the first time in this episode, why he's in a wheelchair. It turns out when he was 11 years old, he fell out of a tree. So we at least we know that now. It was something that happened in his childhood. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is the first time we got that backstory. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's right. So he gives him the best, the list of the best jockeys, and then he gives him a second list of the best white jockeys. Yeah. Uh, with that, like, sort of implied. implied You're a racist. Maybe you'd prefer this, this yeah. list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought <laughs> yeah. that was. Um, uh, no, Chester's like, I want the best. Like, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, and th so that's who he goes after. Yeah. And then he he gives escalante well they give them they give escalante five thousand to sort of compensate the young jockey who's getting bumped off the ride right right and that five thousand dollars it seems like it never really gets into the jockey's hands uh because uh it's given escalante gives it to his agent uh joey yep. and it looks like joey pretty much hangs on to it even though he flashes it to leon so i don't know yeah. it's it's hard to say how much leon actually got out of that well Okay, so let's talk about this okay. because the part of the storyline that I didn't take notes on that we can actually talk about here uh, because of um, I, I didn't really put these two things together until you uh, just made that comment. 
so throughout this episode and then briefly in the other ep- in the next episode we see joey who's the the jockey agent played by uh, richard kind we see him like desperately trying to get a hold of i think either an ex-wife or at least an ex-girlfriend so it or seems something. like an ex-wife yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he's desperately trying to call her he you can tell he's like he's in a bad spot in that relate or in like he you can tell by his behavior it's this guy who clearly isn't like desired by this woman anymore who's fine trying to figure out a way to like somehow slip back into some sort of favor with her he mentions how it was a nice day at the track and he's got a couple hundred dollars he'd like to like pass along whatever and i think maybe the implication is is that he's holding on to that money as more of that sort of emphasis or like trying to use that in because he says it was a nice day at the track i got a couple hundred dollars and and he makes that statement after he's gotten that money right he does flash it at that young jockey but he never we don't see him share it ever and mm-hmm. I would like to think that if the show's implying that 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 he is giving the kids some of the money, that he would have done so. So I think they're implying that he kept it. Maybe it was because of the the stress he had with his former relationship. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. He's thinking maybe this money will help me get back with her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's funny is so the scene that we're talking about takes place in a bar. The old jockey, who's actually a real jockey, what's his name again? I, I oh yeah, his, Gary Stevens is the Gary Stevens guy's name. Yeah, and he so plays Gary, a jockey named Ronnie. Yeah, that's it, Ronnie. Ronnie is playing pool by himself, and he's hearing this conversation. Or I guess he's participating in it really. And he actually caught like the uh, Joey tries to pass off this five thousand dollars as sort of like a what they, they call he calls it a retainer. Yeah. And Ronnie quickly is like, yeah, it sounds more like a, uh, um, I can't remember what he calls it, but like, it sounds like he, they're paying you for getting bumped off the ride. Yeah. That, I can't remember his exact words either, but yeah, he knows what it is. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's when Leon understands what it is too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the guys, and by the guys, I mean, our little ragtag group of gamblers, uh, mm-hmm. they have t-shirts made for their horse. It called Foray Stables. I didn't get yeah. the reference. Is that Escalante's uh, barn? Is it called Foray Stables? Uh, you know what? I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even think to think the about it. The whole episode, I, I was yeah. trying to wait for another reference to Foray, but I only ever saw it in, um, and I wouldn't have caught it in the former uh, previous Yeah, no, episode I didn't even think there. about it, no. Chester then meets the new jockey to ride his horse. He asks to watch the race uh, with Escalante, Escalante, or he asks... They, uh, he wants to watch the race. Escalante offers him his box. He's like, no, I want to watch. I preferred if you watched it with us. Yeah. So we all, they all sit in the box. Um, he mentions at three sixty. So he's with um, he's with a woman that I think he's sort of taking a liking to, but and he has helped fund some efforts she's doing with rescuing racehorses or something. Yeah, and, it's a it, yeah, it's a, a program where um, inmates. Right. Uh, we, you know, would help with uh, uh, rehabilitate uh, racehorses. Yeah. Or something yep. to that effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Charity. He ends up contributing 367,000. She asked him why 367. And he says it's his lucky number. And I wasn't sure if that's setting something up or if that was a callback that I missed. I didn't. I If it was a callback, I missed it. Yeah. I figured okay. it's something that's coming up. And what did she ask for? Like $250,000, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, right. So he yep. gave her more, and that's supposedly it's his lucky number, yeah. Okay. And then the race is underway. I couldn't tell. One of the horses loses a shoe, and I couldn't tell if it was their horse or a horse in front of them, but the the shoe ends up hitting their horse in the hind leg, and the horse is bleeding. And, Mark, I was semi-shielding the TV because I was scared that something like brutal was about to happen to the horse. Yeah, yeah. You know, now that you mention it, yeah, that (laughs) it makes when I first saw it, I thought, oh, their horse lost the shoe. But it makes more sense that it was a horse ahead that lost the shoe and then it cut him. Yeah. And it was a very realistic looking cut. I'm sure it was CGI, um, but it was very realistic. And the horse doesn't tumble or anything right there's not i I know you mean you're expecting okay is his leg gonna buckle what's gonna happen yeah but instead it's just kind of gory you know scraped away skin that kind of thing yeah i was i was like watching i had like the hand up like over the horse so i could see i could see the whole tv except for the horse because like if i hear it i'll know what happened and i don't have to see it yeah right yeah sure yeah but (laughs) i mean the reputation that they have based off of what happened and then what we saw in the first episode with the horse actually getting hurt 
yeah. all that not was or the the reputation notwithstanding i think they did a what well, one thing that that opening episode did was it created that tension in this because mm-hmm. i don't if that if that first episode doesn't include that horse breaking its leg i don't know if i get as worried in this scene yeah right? it makes like sense I, yeah right mm-hmm. But yeah. because that's happened, now I'm like, like anytime the horse isn't perfect, I'm like, oh no, 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 no. And <laughs> yeah. so, you know, it's unfortunate that the the series got the reputation that it did based off of uh, reality. But going back to that moment in time, from a storytelling comp- um, aspect, I thought uh, that was actually kind of well done um, because now they now they're they're making those moments even more dramatic. You know, I'm really enjoying the cinematography done in the racing. They're getting some really cool angles of in front of the horses, out of the gates, all this sort of stuff. But there's only so much drama other than the lead, right? Like other than the horse positioning, there's only really so much drama they can really build into a horse or into a race that they're trying to uh, that they're trying to, you know, uh, stretch for a handful of minutes. And a horse's well-being is one way to, you know, to create a little more of that drama. Yeah, definitely. And I'll repeat what I've said on our previous episodes. You know, the horse racing footage, the action is fantastic on this show. It's like you're watching a, 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 you know, a movie in a theater. It really is tremendous. And of course, that's underscored by again, you know, the the whole reality of you know why the show got canceled. But yeah, uh, it it just looks fantastic. Yeah, agreed. The horse wins. Everybody's excited. We're implied the horse is going to be okay. I think is sort of what we're in the end. It's sort of we don't really know the longevity of the horse or its capabilities, but based off of sort of what Escalante says and what the doctor says, we're led to believe that the horse will should recover from the injury at least. Uh, yep. But the the horse's racing ability or how good it may be uh, to uh, to de- to be determined still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And that's actually all I have for episode five. Do you have anything else? Uh, you know, the only other thing is kind of just some interesting things that came up. Uh, at one point, I can't remember which character. I, I think it might be Joey uh, refers to Leon as a bug, uses the the slang term bug. And I actually went to look this up. Bug or bug boy means an apprentice jockey. And oh. the term is even used in the second episode that we're going to talk about here. So we're just learning okay. something. I don't know a lot of horse racing slang. So that was one that kind of uh, caught my ear. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Other than, you know, you were talking about the the um, security guard that lost his job. And gosh, everything, you know, the thing about these two episodes is now that we're kind of, we've been introduced to this world, we're comfortable in this world. They're starting to introduce a lot of storylines, a lot of things. And, you know, I'm just worried, oh, shoot, how many are going to be resolved here in this first season? Because unfortunately, That's a good point. when the season ended, the, the you know, the showrunners, the people behind the show, they'd been greenlit for a second season. They thought they were coming back. It wasn't until, right. you know, after that, that they fi- found out that they weren't. So there might be a lot of loose ends here. There, there's certainly a lot more storylines that are, that are, you know, coming up in these two episodes. So, yeah, eh, and I'm prepared to to be left hanging that's a good point yeah. i hadn't really thought about that yeah because you know looking at it and you know 10 years later you know it, it we know it's a wrapped show yeah or right. not wrapped but you know it's it's a finite it's not coming uh, back i don't yeah. think that, i don't think right. there's a big push to bring back luck on hbo right episode six chester is meeting with his parole officer and sees a photo of miles davis and mentions that he saw miles at the plaza now, uh, did you catch that? He says, yeah, I, I, but I, I mean, wasn't not the, not the Plaza Las Vegas. Okay, yeah. that's what I was wondering. I was like, I was trying to place this. I was like, no, I, that's, yeah. not, that's not a Vegas reference, right? No, it's got to no, no. be a small town. Yeah, or small, small. Like, I mean, I don't know a lot, a lot about, you know, Miles Davis, but no, yeah, right. Plaza wasn't built till like 1970. So, no. Right, right, right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 One uh, thing, if since we're on that scene, <laughs> I like it because, yeah, he's talking to his parole officer and the, the parole officer is trying to find out why he wants to basically buy the racetrack and maybe turn it into a casino. And he's wondering, you know, is some of it revenge for the people that sent him to prison? And Ace, he kind of deflects the conversation, but I think it's a funny line. He says to his parole officer, did you ever look a horse in the eye? And the parole officer says, Never never near a horse. And I have a lifetime ambition to keep it that way. 
And I think that's an interesting line because, you know, people who aren't around horses, and I include myself in that, when you when you are not used to being around a horses, they're imposing animals, right? They I mean, are. they are big and, you know, people, it's sort of like people and dogs too. I know you're a dog lover. I'm a dog lover. So we've been about dogs all our lives, but there are people who, you know, if there's a dog, it's like, uh, right. You yep. know, and, and I understand that based on, you know, that kind of same with horses, right? A horse isn't going to attack you, <laughs> right? Yeah. You can get hurt by a horse. I'm not saying you can't, but uh, you know, they're big and I can understand people, you know, kind of having a fear of horses. <laughs> Yeah, I, I try to be mindful of the fact that not everybody loves dogs while I'm out with my dog. Uh, yeah, right? oh, good for yeah. That's yeah. important as an owner. You can't assume, you know, it's like I hate dog owners who don't have their dog on a leash and they say, oh, he's fine. You know, he's good with people. He, you know, he won't bite. That doesn't matter, right? You don't yeah. know how people, you know, feel about dogs. So, yeah. We were walking through a park in Ohio one time and this guy was walking through the city park with two German shepherds off, off leash. Yeah. And I was like, you have no idea how much like anxiety you might be creating with right. everybody. I'm sure they're be- they're they're they, they seem like very sweet dogs. Yeah. But those are big German shepherds. And yeah. you don't even have to even necessarily even be scared of dogs to be uneasy about that situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, at the beginning of it, so this pro this uh, this scene in the in the parole officer's office reminded me of just how much I am struggling with Chester's story. Like as he's sitting there and they're having this discussion, I found some of the lines interesting and I thought it was well written, but like, I didn't, I wasn't like waiting for information or waiting for, I will be okay with not being, having any resolution on his story. (laughs) I I think we talked about it before too. It's, it's for being the lead supposedly on the show. In a way he's the least compelling character. So yeah. Uh, But as he, as he starts to take to this horse, I'm starting to enjoy that a little bit more. Yeah. He's really falling in love with this horse for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Okay. So the guys are excited that their horse is running in the race of the, of the day. Um, And one guy asks about a strategy and another suggests that they run real fast, turn left and run even faster. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's it. That's that's yep. racing in a nutshell. Yep. That's it. Yep. yep. That's how that, that's how it works. <laughs> um, there is an earthquake. The horses yep. freak out. Trainers are running to check on their horses. Joey um is is in his bathroom at home and holding a gun to his temple. Uh, presu- um, you know, it's clear. I think he actually had it in his mouth. Didn't he? Uh, well, I, uh, the, I mean, op- like the, it makes a difference. The point is, he's trying to. He's thinking the, about killing himself. Right. Yeah. The scene starts with it's in his mouth, and then he puts it to his temple, and then he starts to lower it, and then as he's lowering it, okay, it yeah, shakes. Yeah. Or so, anyway, right. yeah. Anyways, the earthquake clear, hits. Yeah, it's yeah. clear he's contemplating suicide, and yeah. the earthquake hits. Uh, hits as he's sort of lowering this gun and and sort of hopefully choosing the better, ends up discharging the weapon. And it shows the bullet sort of ricochet a couple times and then hit his cheek. Yep. And we see him in the hospital. Joey has like this really, I'm not saying it's like, a lot of people who survive an experience like that usually do have some sort of change of heart, different yeah, view yeah. on life, whatever. Mm-hmm, right. But like, it was really interesting the way that they approached it. Like he holds up his shirt and he like says like, I am Joey. And he looks, he starts reading everything on the tag of his shirt in like a really like, optimistic way almost as if like he's experiencing the tag of his shirts like and, well what, what was I, your takeaway well yeah so how my takeaway see- from that was he realized he wasn't stuttering that was oh. what he was doing when he was saying all those things is i am joey and he's just reading it and he's finding that he's not stuttering so this botched suicide they're making it like a turning point for him and one way that's manifesting itself is he's not he's not stuttering anymore I, you know what? That, I, <laughs> I completely okay. missed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I did yeah. not, I didn't, even, it didn't even dawn on me that he wasn't stuttering. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. All right. So there that, you go. That's what it well, is. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's why, that's why you're here, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They showed Chester in the stable who he's, he's sort of looking after uh or he's 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 really taken to this horse i mean in yeah. in the last episode where the the hurt the horse was hurt he like stays with the horse overnight um and the horse like sort of nuzzles him a little bit and that he that he clearly sort of connects with the horse sort of on that and then in this he's like just 
he's almost almost not even paying attention to his chauffeur or Escalante because he's so distracted by how much he likes his horse. This is the part of his character that I'm um, having fun watching. There's a handful of scenes that sort of advance this storyline of Chester attempting to purchase a racetrack and possibly build a casino. Right. I'm not going to go over them because I don't I actually just don't think this storyline is all that compelling. It's it, not it, all that compelling, but I do want to touch on one thing. Okay, so, please. He, you know, he's got his apprentice or whatever you call, want to call him, the guy that he's kind of grooming to be uh, like himself. What's his name? Nathan. Yeah, Nathan. And he sends Nathan to talk to basically his uh, ace's rivals. And uh, one thing, and they kind of supposedly turn Nathan to start working for them. And, but he goes back to ace and says, no, I'm still working for, you know, there's like double crossing, triple crossing. But anyway, one of the points that came up in the discussion was these guys were worried because they thought that ace had the Indian gaming, um, I'm going to put the Indian gaming lobby in his pocket Hmm. and that that's why he would be able to open slot machines at this casino that he would start at the uh, racetrack. Now, a couple of things we find out at the end of the show that uh, he probably doesn't have the Indian gaming lobby in his pocket, but I was thinking about it and it sort of uh, is uh, applies to what's going on right now. There's no way, there's no way the Indian gaming lobby would allow slot machines to go into any place other than their own casinos. They are fighting so hard to have exclusive rights to sports betting. And that's why we don't have it yet. There's this fight going on. And a lot of it is, you know, the tribal casinos, they want, you know, the whole pie. So I, you know, it's, it's one of those storylines that, okay, within the reality of the show, that's what, what's happening. But no Indian gaming lobby would allow uh, slot machines to go anywhere else. Anyway, that kind of caught my eye. I thought I'd bring that up. So, is TVG live in California? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, it is. TVG, as far as I know, is is allowed in all fifty states. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Right. Right. I might so, be wrong. It might be illegal in Utah or Hawaii. I don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. That's that's been live here for a while. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and what what Tim's talking about is online uh, horse betting basically right. you can you can do that it's, that's not even the only app right. i think twin spires is another one but yeah that's that's been legal and, and online for some okay time. yeah and mm-hmm. then and that's um there's no like the it, the indian gaming lobby or whatever has no like in, like that's been a like it, it they almost right it's 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 i don't think they care right? you know it used oh, to be yeah. a lot of the tribal casinos would even have uh horse betting areas and a lot of those have kind of fizzled out. I just don't think they're that interested. Yeah. Do you uh do you use the app? So I, I've been so not anymore. I okay. I pretty much stop uh horse betting. You know, unless I'm yeah. actually at the track. No, we don't do that anymore. Bogan's saying that they have a TVG channel and oh, stuff, but, you Carolina, can't but bet. they can't okay. bet. All right. So, well, then I yeah. here I I stand corrected. Let me put it another way. It may not be legal in all fifty states, but it's it's legal in more states than sports betting is legal right now. Right. So right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been using FanDuel Racing app, which I think is actually I think I think they're actually tied to TVG. Like I think I think the Facebook is the or uh, FanDuel is the skin, but I think they're getting all of their information and such oh, okay. from from TVG. I think. And I'm glad Bogan mentioned this because now this is coming back to me. I don't think you can bet uh, TVG in Nevada, for example. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's right. The Chester attempting to purchase a racetrack, uh, possibly build a casino. We're yeah. back at the racetrack, and our gamblers are rattling off different types of bets that they want their buddy who is going to to their buddy who's going to go put in all these bets for them. Right. I tried to sort of keep up with the first one, and I as soon as <laughs> as soon as it was clear they were all putting in bets, I just gave up. I was like, never mind. I'm not going to. I, I gave now. up too because I'm thinking, all right, the point of this scene, the point of this exchange is that it's all this jargon. It's yep. not even like, you know, it needs to necessarily make sense. I'm sure it did. It it you know, they they did their homework on this show. But the whole point of the machine of the scene is they're just rattling it off and you know, maybe it's kind of funny. I will say this, and this makes absolutely no sense in this scene, is they're all telling Renzo, who's easily the most clueless of the four of them, what they want, and they're having him go make the bets. Makes absolutely no sense. Luckily, it did not become a plot point, because then it's lazy writing, right? If, you know, he messed it up. 
Right. But uh, so at least I give the writers that much credit. But yeah, they shouldn't be letting Renzo <laughs> make the bets. <laughs> uh yeah um but it was yeah it was fun to hear like i said all that jargon being just rattled off um yeah. and everybody sort of has their own uh you know their 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 own style or whatever and and then one thing i liked is marcus gets mad that one of them kind of copied his bet <laughs> and he's yeah. mad because if it wins now it reduces the the split right like right it, in yep uh, paramutual yeah. yep yep mm -hmm. yep that's pro so Paramutual is both one of my favorites and one of my most frustrating parts of of horse racing. I like it because I don't I can casually bet on horses and not have to worry about like watching the lines, right? Or, you know, this horse opened 10 to 1, he's down to 4 to 1. I'm not getting the best of the number. Oh well. Like, you know, and so, but at the same time, it is always frustrating when I take that 10 to one and then he runs at three to one and I'm like, you know, that's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Cause it's kind of the opposite of most, most sports betting, you know, the really good sports bettors, they're going to try to find these lines early on mm -hmm. that are not correct and make the bets before they move in horse racing. It's almost the opposite. It's like, you got to wait till close to post time to see where the odds are at. Yeah. To see if it's a good bet or not. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Unless you're, you know, betting so much that you're actually moving the odds. That's a whole different thing. But yeah. Right. Uh, so the race, um, the race goes off and uh, the their horse runs really well and ends up winning. But there's an inquiry on the race. Before we get into what I could I didn't catch exactly what happened. So there's a moment in the race where he's passing another horse and it's clear something happens. There's either contact or whatever. I couldn't quite pick up on it, but they, they make it obvious sort of right after the race that uh, Jerry, even before the, the track announces that there is an inquiry knows that there's going to be an issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So just to, to fill in some blanks here too, the jockey in this case is Leon, the same right. jockey that got pulled from Ace's horse the day before, or in the episode before, I should say. And uh, you're not sure what's really going through his mind. They have a lot of close-ups of him as he's about to enter the gate and as he's racing, and you're not sure if he's planning to do something, if his mind is hmm. elsewhere. It's not real clear. But to me, what it looks like is that he deliberately bumps into the other horse. Certainly the jockey on the other horse even says something at the time, like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, so it looks to me like it's basically a nudge uh, or, okay. well, some crowding or something, some uh, contact that wouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Um, the there's no change to the official result. The the inquiry comes in um, uh, with the official result being upheld. And the the three gentlemen that are discussing it. Their last point was the horse was going backwards, sort of, sort of stating that the horse that he bumped into was not competing, it's starting or, to fade. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Was yeah. already starting to fade, and that yeah. this didn't, this didn't um, impact the result for that particular horse. Right. Um, which seemed to, which I kind it. They, I liked that they made it like it was clear that there was an issue and that it was legitimate with, with everybody being concerned, but there was sort of a practical reason as to why it went the, the way the decision went uh, that it did. Yeah. And it, you know, it adds to Leon's problem as far as his character goes and what he's going to, you know, go through the next three episodes. We'll have to see, cause he's been having trouble keeping the weight off. You know, he passed out once when he was coming yeah. out of the sauna. Now he, he's got this emotional thing that he's working with where he was pulled from the horse. And then this, so, uh, you know, obviously that's going to be part of the storytelling moving forward. We've mentioned this before, sort of the insights to the challenges of being a jockey is that they're doing very well on sort of telling yeah. that story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's I don't want to say it's a thankless job, but I think a lot of people don't re they, they think, oh, they get up on the horse and they ride the horse and that's it. And there's way more to it. And it's a very hard job. So something and this makes perfect sense, but it was one of those things that you don't realize until it's until it's obvious I didn't realize how many races a jockey might do in a day. Oh yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, as I'm, you know, as I'm placing my bets on FanDuel racing, you know, Gulfstream park is uh, a track that I found myself betting. So on, 
uh, a little plug for, uh, for, I guess, for FanDuel Racing. And I'm sure there's plenty of other racing apps that do this. Uh, I think TVG, this may actually be a TVG promo that extends to FanDuel Racing because they're connected. But they have on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they have win bet insurance, right? So if you place a win bet, um, depending on the amount of horses in the race, if your horse comes in second or third if it's a big if it's a big field you get your you get your win bet refunded to you up to yep. it's only five bucks right it's, it's i know it i know but yeah tvg when we used to bet on it we took advantage of that a lot and yeah that is absolutely the reason we were able to cash out ahead on that app it's a great uh yeah it's specific races you got to watch out for them but like you said, yeah, you bet to win. If you win, you win it. And if it comes in second or third, you get your money back. Yeah, that's a great uh, promotion yep. they have. Yep. Goldstream Park is one of the uh, tracks that almost, uh, I think, at least once or twice over the weekend will we'll be a part of this. And I've noticed a jockey's name that is always in every race. I'm like, I'll go to the next race. Yeah. And I'll notice, oh, the, you know, uh, Luis Saez is on, you know, this, uh, this horse. And you know, one day I realized, holy smokes, this is race five, and he's been in every up until just recently. My horse betting, horse racing experience has just been the Kentucky Derby, that one race, even. Yeah, you and you're you thinking, know. oh, they they race, they ride one race a day, right? That's right. what you're thinking, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No, when you actually go to the track, you know, you get the racing form, you get the program, that kind of thing. You realize, looking through, oh wow, yeah, these are the same guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Carl Schlegel's in the house. Carl, I believe you. Uh, I believe I've uh, lost a wager to you. Doctor Mike went under seventy-five and a half percent on the latest episode of You Can Bet on That on his probability for Biloxi. I believe I took the over seventy-five and a half. I believe we had a charity bet on something, but uh, I'm just going to assume it's a charity. So, Carl, tell me where to send my charity <laughs> bet to because I'm I'm pretty sure I lost that bet. So. Um, yeah, and here's yeah. the thing, Dr. Mike Do- said 50% on our last man. And he's going to come back next week and our next episode and say 80%. And it's, better. Just, it, yeah, it's just going to be so. a bad beat. It's going to be yeah, a bad beat. So. And yeah, <laughs> going back to the, 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 you know, the, the jockeys and there's bad blood in the locker room, right? I mean, that the jockey oh, yeah. that was oh, on that was horse, yeah. mm-hmm. furious runs up to Leon and sort of uh, calls him out on it again to not something I really hadn't thought of. I don't think about jockeys congregating, right? Like I think because I see the jockey horse trainer relationship in like when you're at the track, that's all you see. You don't think about where they retire to in between races or anything. So, oh yeah, it makes sense that they're athletes. They have a locker room. Yeah, they're all together. Right. (laughs) Right. And so I was like, oh man, like there must be some pretty tense you know, like even it, like on a situation like that, where the, like that little nudge, like I can't imagine you just let that go. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this is a TV show, so they pump up the drama quite a bit. But, oh, yeah, I'm sure it, it can be very uncomfortable <laughs> emotionally when yeah. you're in the locker room. You know that, you know, you, maybe you've done something you shouldn't have. The next day we're back at the track and Walter, who's played by Nick Nolte, has his horse running. And this story arc is one. So. To your point on closing loops, the Nick Nolte horse is the storyline I want to know more about, and that I'm afraid it's not going to deliver for the before the yeah. end of the season. It's an interesting storyline because it's almost completely separate from all the other storylines. Yep. Yeah, there's maybe some intertwining there, but for the most part, it's it's all on its own, right? And th- in this episode, there were some new elements introduced. Uh, being that uh, the stud fee that he thought was already taken care of and some uh, fees for uh, the stable fees and that kind of thing, he thought they were taken care of by, uh, I think they say the colonel. We're not exactly sure who he is, but sounds like maybe the colonel has passed away and now this son-in-law is coming and saying, no, you owe stud fees and you owe stable fees. And then it turns out the horse's is uh, uh uh pretty fast and this son-in-law shows up at the end kind of claiming hey how does my horse doing so yeah there's a lot going on there and you're right i don't know if it's going to get resolved or not the the horse runs with um and i didn't get i forgot to put down her name uh rosie i think is her uh, name. yeah rosie. Rosie. yep rosie she i think she has ex- we've only seen this horse race with Rosie with Rosie as the jockey. So he, I, so 
Walter has entrusted this jockey with with his horse, and he gives her the um the instructions just keep him stable, just let him win his race, right? Like yeah, let him right. run. Right. And coming around the final turn, going into the into the final stretch, she pulls out a whip and hits and whips the horse, and yeah. the horse takes off like a rocket and the second that whip hits the uh hits the horse walter is furious and this horse tears down this back uh the final stretch wins by 10 lengths and sets a track record yeah sets the track record a guy in the media booth i think it was even makes a comment i this you know he was on the phone with someone said you just missed the next man of war yeah. Uh, when Man of War, of course, uh, a historic uh, racing horse. So it's it's clear that this horse is significant. I couldn't tell. So he, he he when he goes and talks to her, both like he he gets he's angry. Like after the race, he grabs her whip and throws it in the trash. He makes it clear he's angry that she did this. They even talk later at the stable, sort of by themselves. And I couldn't so. I can't tell if he's upset that now the potential of this horse has been revealed to everybody and that makes this more or if he feels like this has disrupted the training process and that somehow having his horse open up like it did in this race is going to somehow, you know, disrupt, you know, what he needs his horse to do in a future race. What, what was your both. take? Yeah, no, okay. I think a little bit of both. Yeah, I think you you hit it. Yeah, he cuz I, that was what first occurred to me when he was angry was, oh, he knows this horse is good. He doesn't want everyone to know how good this horse is now, right? Yep. He wants that further down the road. But then he says something, I'm paraphrasing here to the jockey later, something like, you, you need to to uh, tell the horse what to do for a given race. Right. That's kind of the way that he phrases it. And clearly in this race, he was going to win. The horse was going to win and there was no reason to whip him at the end. And yeah, that gets down to the training, right? Is the horse going to be confused by this now or, you know, expect that or so, yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. Okay. That's all I had for episode. All right. Well, yeah, let me, let me go through some notes here too, while we kind of collect ourselves too. I don't want this to kind of spin out of control here. So uh, a couple interesting things. I heard some peacocks in the background. Yes. Uh, this is up at Santa Anita. Did you hear those? Yeah. Yes, so, I did. And I, I was like, <laughs> I should write that down. I was like, wait, why are we talking about peacocks? But I, I don't, don't know. know. I, I just thought yeah. it was interesting. You know, that the sound effects people, you know, they thought it was important to put there. That You know, the, you got uh, the peacocks are down here at the San Diego Zoo, just walking around, right? You know, they have them up at the racetrack. It's not necessarily, you know, in, in enclosures or anything. They're just, you know, kind of around. So that's kind of cool. And peacocks are... Everybody loves peacocks. There's a scene towards the beginning. And I'm still trying to figure this out, too. Ace and uh, his uh, chauffeur, Gus, they get this congratulatory cake uh, from, it looks like maybe from uh, Ace's rivals. And it says, wait to go Greek. And it's like, uh, I wonder what this means, right? At first, you're looking at it, you're thinking, oh, it should have said way to go Greek, Right. And in fact, even uh, Nathan says something about it. You know, it's like, oh, it's maybe it's supposed to be way to go. And uh, Ace is kind of acting like he doesn't know what Nathan's talking about. And, you know, Gus actually has to say, no, I think what he's saying is it's like a it was a mistake. There was a transcription mistake. And, you know, the bakery uh, misunderstood what was supposed to be. Anyway, when the scene is done, Gus is pretty convinced that it's not a mistake. And yeah. it was meant to say, wait to go Greek. Now, who knows what that means? Is it a threat? You know, yeah. it's, it's it's hard to say. As far as the earthquake goes, so uh, it's kind of interesting. If you live in California, if you, especially well, all of California, you've been through some earthquakes. And as a, a native Californian, it's kind of like, oh, oh, I think that's an earthquake. You know, most earthquakes are like, we had one just a couple of weeks ago. My wife was in the kitchen. It's like, you feel that? I think it was an earthquake. Yeah, I think it was an earthquake. And that's how most of them go. Every once in a while, it's like, hey, that's a pretty good earthquake. And then every once in a great while, it's like, okay, do I need to make a move here? 
And the move that you learn living here is, okay, do you go under a table? That's one of them. Or do you go into a door frame because those are more secure, that kind of thing. Or do you run out of the house, <laughs> you know, which is not necessarily a good idea because, I don't know, telephone poles fall, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting that that was kind of, you'd got a bunch of different reactions. One of the 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 guys from the gang, like, jumped up on the restaurant uh, chair, you know, it's an yeah. earthquake. <laughs> Whereas meanwhile, Escalante, the trainer, he's kind of like, God damn it. You know, it's like just one more thing, right? It really, it, he doesn't care, right? He's been through these kind of things before. Let's see. I had a couple more notes here. I don't think he gets any credit in the show at all, but the track announcer, you can tell just by his voice, he's Trevor Denman. He's one of the all time uh, great track announcers. He's uh, South African, uh, American, he does Del Mar. He does Santa Anita. I don't even know if he's retired or not, but uh, they don't give him credit in the show, but that's definitely him. And, you know, we find out at the end that Joe, the veterinarian, is pregnant, pregnant with Escalante's baby. And, you know, again, we're talking about these storylines that are being introduced right now, and we only have three more episodes to go. So it's probably not going to get resolved. I think those are all kind of the little notes that I had that didn't really have anything to do necessarily with the driving story. So there you go. Okay. Very good. Well, that wraps episodes uh, five and six. The, uh, so the, I think, I think we just finished the series. Um, let's, uh, so the next just time do all better... the last three. Yeah. I think yeah. that makes sense. There's probably no reason to just have the one at the end. Yeah. Yep. So we'll finish the series, episodes seven, eight, nine. We'll just do that the next episode, so we uh, we can. Because I, as I was uh, pulling episode five, I was like, "Where are we in the story?" So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll wrap this up in the next episode. You want to do it in the next episode, or yeah, or... yeah. We'll just, okay. we'll just, just yep. go straight to it. Okay, yeah, that's straight fine. to it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then after that, we'll probably hit start hit a, hit a few movies, and then it sounds like. So, what are what are what are some TV series that you were? So, thinking? I, I'm thinking of a couple. Um, there's one called and availability that might be an issue, so I don't know. There's one called Lucky that was kind of a comedy about hmm. a gambler. Uh, I'll have to look at the availability on that. There's one called uh, uh, Tilt. It was on ESPN. I think we mentioned it before. It's a poker show. Uh, it was written by the guys who did um, uh, uh, Rounders. Uh, not all that well received, but, um, you know, went for at least one season. And, you know, then there are other possibilities like Las Vegas. Now, that was a long-running show, so we wouldn't want to do, like, every episode. Yeah. But maybe we could watch a few or talk about that. Another show called Vegas. Anyway, those are some that I'm thinking of. Lucky might be a good one if it's available because I seem to remember enjoying it and uh, it was a comedy. So yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Cool. There's, we have plenty of, Oh, travel fanboys curious if there's a program that maybe searches through all the raw TV data. Uh, there is a program. Uh, I have it. It's proprietary. Nobody else knows about it uh, or has access to it. So you, you almost know, never talk about it. <laughs> no, I, right. I'm I'm kind of yeah. humble that way. But if there's, you know, if you need me to adjust that program to search through the data for like other things, different things, you know, specifically uh, poker, specifically Vegas. Welcome, Adam. Uh, it's good to uh, it's good to see you, buddy. Okay. Well, that's better viewing. The next time we do this, it'll only be in the better viewing feed. So if you enjoy these episodes and want to continue participating, we'll still stream the recording like we do here on The Better Life, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. But the podcast itself will be only going into the better viewing feed. You can find better viewing in, in Apple Podcasts right now. And hopefully by the next time the next episode comes out, it'll finally syndicated. And also I'll have it in Spotify and Stitcher. Uh, that require the manual submission. Mark, always a pleasure, my friend. Very good. Thank you, Tim. So coming back in about a month, we'll do episodes seven, eight, and nine of Luck. We'll do one episode for we'll do one podcast episode for those three episodes of Luck to finish out what is available of the Luck series. Again, only one season was put out. Following that probably do some movies maybe touch on some other or other tv shows but uh they'll give us an opportunity to be a little more creative and explore maybe some more nuanced shows without the worry that maybe not everybody listening cares to watch those shows 
you know, we've, we're now in a place where I think me, uh, Mark and I can be more creative and explore our enjoyment of TV and movies even more so, still through that gambling lens, but without wondering, oh, is that something, you know, like, does there, can everybody watch that? Is that available for streaming? Uh, so I think this is a good move for everybody. Hope those of you that enjoy the better viewing episodes will follow us over there. Again, nothing else changes here in the main feed for The Better Life, but uh, that is what's happening moving forward with Better Viewing. BetterMerch.com is where you can cop some merch to support the brand, support the show. The Struggle is Real video poker shirts. Tip your dealer's shirts in both blue and silver and black. And a number of other things like coffee dice coffee tumblers etc thank you for everybody who has uh cop some gear i see you out there sporting it a couple of you have told me that wearing your tip your dealer shirt has gotten you a better rating at the at the table so there's there's possibly a little hack for you uh but thank you for everybody use promo code yo 11 yo 11 all one word for 11 percent off of your purchase by the way uh coming soon i'm not quite sure when but i will have a week where i will have uh, standard Canadian shipping. I know I have a, I know I have plenty of Canadian shoppers, and I see Shopify lets me know that uh, people have abandoned their their checkouts, and I know a lot of them are Canadian customers, and I imagine that's likely because uh, shipping to Canada isn't cheap. I will choose a week soon where I will sort of cap the shipping cost and sort of make it easier for some of you to get some of this merch because I appreciate the support. Uh, and I want Canada to uh, to be rocking better merch. So uh, that to come. Patreon.com slash The Better Life is where you can support the show with a monthly pledge. Appreciate everybody's support there. There's a $9 pledge level that uh, you essentially get a piece of merch every quarter. Once a, so uh, what we're in the middle of February now. In about a month, I'll be hitting up everybody on that pledge level, being like, hey, what do you want? And I'll let you know. I'll, you can look at the, the store, and if it's available... It's yours, and it can be a shirt, a hoodie, uh, a cup, um, whatever it may be, uh, and uh, hopefully by then, I will have a, uh, at least one more piece of merch in there, but this summer, I think we're going to load it up with a few more ideas as well, and not just t-shirts, which is something I'm really excited about. I'm going to put some thing, other things with utility in there, like coffee mugs and stuff, um, so that way, uh, you're not just pet, you know <laughs> st- uh, stocking your closet with, uh, with better merch stuff. Biloxi. Everybody's like, shut up. Don't care about your about your promotions and stuff. Tell us about the upcoming Biloxi trip. Plenty of you are plenty of you are asking about it. March 31st to April 4th. That's a Thursday through a Monday. That's when I will be there. Mississippi Rob has been kind enough to sort of put together an agenda that I believe covers Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Sunday, I will be kind of doing my own thing, but I will likely be wandering over to at least Golden Nugget, maybe Hard Rock. My plan on Sunday is to, depending on how the week's, weekend's gambling has gone, to put in a decent amount of play at these properties that I don't really have a relationship with yet to see if I can trigger an opportunity elsewhere. So uh, that's probably what I'll do for most of Sunday, unless I have some content to create. Always <laughs> always open for uh, for the opportunity for more content. But I'm excited to see everybody down there. Again, I get in late afternoon on the 31st. I take off Monday morning, I think, or Monday afternoon. So I will be there for uh, for a decent amount of time that, uh, that weekend. And I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing everybody. All right, I think that's it. I don't have any other updates. I don't have any other any other breaking news. Biloxi is just over a month away. It feels like it's closer than it is, but I guess it, it is technically still uh, about six weeks away. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody there. If you're going, let us know. It's not a bit like it's not you're not over committing or anything. Like we don't need, but I think just in general we want an idea of sort of how many people might be there. Uh, so what? Just maybe just even just to get excited about it some more. Uh, and to maybe inform maybe other ideas on on meetups and stuff like that. But right now, it seems pretty basic on uh, every day there's a, a meetup at a different property in a different pocket of town so everybody can see more of Biloxi. Um, I will be at Boer Vaj, as, as Mark mentioned. He will likely be at Harrah's. I know people are going to be at Gold Nugget. I know people are going to be at IP. So there's going to be uh, – I don't think you're going to be away from someone else going – no matter really where you stay, 
So unless you're in the RV park at Boomtown, I don't think you're going to be too far from another attendee. So come down to Biloxi, hang out with us. I'm really looking forward to it. That's all I got. We'll come back next week with another episode of The Better Life. On behalf of Mark DeVault, I am Timothy Lawson. Good night and good luck. Good luck.